and I find the sport itself is just set up perfectly for every metaphor possible. Mm. You know, you think, okay, like even think about catching up, think about a lineup. Like, okay, what if I, what if I just grab you and throw you in the air? You can catch the ball. I can't right. jump that high, but I can lift you up and then you can catch it. It's working together. You know, what if I just bind onto you and, and push and drive, right? We're going to be stronger. And it's not about who's in front. It's about achieving the goal and knowing that we do that working together. I think the minute I stepped on our practice field for rugby, the calling happened. Uh, an eight-year plan to be on the team. And I was in it within two years. Don't wait until you are a pro to be a pro, right? Like, I like doing something, look, stopping and learning from it. Like, it just looked like it was a heavy hit. To get up, it's not up. You know, that's the first time I played, like, professionally. I'm making rugby money. How can I make money outside of it? And those two Scottish guys, and they said, oh, you're, um, you're here for the movie. Rugby is a sport where that's often coupled with actually having a good time. He looked at me and he says, you guys are awesome. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Time and Bailu, and this is the show where we speak to people about the opportunities that they have found, created, or taken advantage of via rugby. We got an awesome guest today, Maria Thomas, president for Trinidad and Tobago Rugby, first woman president for Trinidad and Tobago Rugby, a World Rugby Executive Council uh, uh, scholarship uh, uh, recipient, and, and one of the up-and-coming women in, in rugby, longtime player, just, just an awesome personality. Like, you guys, I'm telling you, she's it was this was such a fun conversation this was so dope it was like talking to family all over again i i couldn't even get mad at it like it it we just talked about so much just ranging from origin and and to what's going through and what she's planning to do like this is what you expect whenever you see the concept of growing rugby and i i just it it you guys are gonna love it you guys are gonna love it just before we get started, please don't forget, subscribe on, on YouTube and on to any of their podcast networks, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia, whatever it is that you guys are listening to it on, please check it out. And of course, of course, of course, hit the like button on YouTube and notification so you can see more of what we have going on. But yo, this this was so awesome. This was a great moment. Um Guys, it's it's been a wild week. We're we're getting almost a hundred a month into the Olympics. I'm I'm still trying to get ready to head out there. It's supposed to be. I mean, it's it's getting tight. Like there is so much expectation that's coming from this. Uh, not not even expectation in terms of like what anticipation, but it's like what they're requiring from us, man. It's woo. Like it's 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 the COVID regulations, but uh, it looks like they're still pulling through. For those who are wondering, from the media standpoint, it looks like they are absolutely going to go through with it, and I see no reason as to how or why they are going to end up canceling canceling it at all. So expect an Olympics, expect some rugby, and uh, I'm hoping to be able to be over there. But in the meantime, yo, I hope you guys enjoy this. I want you to listen to the great, the awesome Maria Thomas. Check it out.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Tommy Bailu, and we have an incredible V, a most important of eyes, and the people of the people. Coming out of Trinidad and Tobago, I had more stuff, but I had a little bit of a pause because I was trying to make sure the VIP worked. Maria Thomas coming in at the first, I know it's going to sound weird and cliche, but we're going to hype it, first female president for Trinidad and Tobago rugby, but most importantly, a game changer here in the rugby world altogether. Maria, thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. You know, you know, I, I, we were obviously we were just talking before, and I always love talking about the first time of meeting people. But you know, we've, I, I, we've been in the same groups. Mainly, I think it was through the BIPOC group uh, that we, uh, I've, I've known and seen you through. And so the weird part is, you know, I don't know if you're getting this now, if you gotten it before, but whenever you're in kind of rugby, you start getting friend requests, and you start sending friend requests. And you add people that are just rugby people because you're like, that's that's fam. Like, I don't know, random stranger person. We got common friends and you're rugby. All right, coming on. So whenever you got appointed and I was like, man, I want to get to talk to her because I've talked with Katie Sadlier. I've talked to Adam Milby. You know, I, I've talked to Erica Mori. These these women who have made such impacts in the rugby world and have been part of that that world rugby um, women's council scholarship that that was going on, yourself included. I was like, yo, I need to talk. We got to keep the trend going. And then I was like, wait, wait, I think we're friends on Facebook already. <laughs> we're already friends. We're already friends. I was like, oh, oh, this works. Okay. And then it was like first intro. So it was, it's really dope to have unintentionally, like not unintentionally, already been friended through rugby famine rugby, but now to be able to take it up and to be able to make it a much more one-on-one official stance. So uh, big, I, I like it. I, I don't know. I didn't have any way to go with it. It was just like, I wanted to make that stance right there. <laughs> no, it's absolutely one of the things that I love, love, love about rugby is that, you know, because we play rugby, we just have this understanding of each other. Our rugby community, our teams, we are so dynamic. We talk about the inclusivity as far as like body types and skill types, but we're also inclusive in personality types. So, you know, when someone knows, hey, that's a rugby player, you're like, all right, okay, so I, all right, all right, I can work with we, this person, you know? We got the framework. We got the framework to be able to work it's with it. It's like the icebreaker. We've already had that icebreaker, and it kind of, it removes that apprehension, and all of that, when you meet someone, you're like, okay, let me make sure that, you know, I give a good presentation, et cetera, et cetera. And right. I think we're so accepting of each other that we're able to be ourselves and be more productive in that way because of rugby. I've had, like you said, tons of conversations. You see someone's like, oh, I had a rough day, and you just, hey, what's going on? Like, how are you doing? I've had amazing conversations with people that only because I saw online that they, you know, were looking for some help. I've had people reach out to me. I've had how many countless phone calls um, (laughs) that really lifted my spirit. Even leading up to the campaign, was when you That's interviewed awesome. Nicolette Pantor. Yeah. And like the timing was so perfect because I was like, <laughs> yes, I get to watch my teammate. I get to listen to her talk. I get to be reminded about why we work so hard for this sport. And that was another one of those, especially with the Panthers, because uh, even before, like that, that Pantor, I mean, we know the Pantor family, in my opinion, is like the, the, is like the Wayne's brothers of rugby. In my opinion, like that's the famous family of rugby. And I'm not even talking about just Trinidad in general, because, you know, I've seen them since 
the U19 tournaments um, back in 2015 uh, with uh, um, uh, Jaron and uh, and and um, his brother. And man, I'm, I hate when I forget names. But yeah, with the two of them, and then meeting Wayne himself as well, and then just seeing the growth, and then getting to meet Nicolette. I think initially at Cary. Uh, at Cary, uh, um, North Carolina, for the the NACRA championships prior to the Olympics in 2015. So to be able to have that and 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 watching Trinidad rugby just develop and grow and build has been a real key. Even and and I've even forgot whenever I was saying before, even Keishan Downed with Jamaica, yeah. knowing Bruce Martins and getting that. So being able to see how everything has kind of grown over the last half decade has been. So wonderful. So to add another component to it where you seeing your rise and 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 being able to be like, yo, you guys are continuing to make differences within just the Caribbean and impacts the rest of the rugby world. Like it's it's wild. And it does come back to that community effort. We all connect under this umbrella fraternity known as rugby. That's the cool thing that is really, I know, helping us get through COVID-19 and all these different wow. restrictions. It's that, you know, we're on the pitch rugby, but we are we already have off the pitch rugby. We're used to that. And that's kind of what's happening now. I, of course, I want to get back on the field, but I don't feel like I'm not playing rugby. I feel like we have all these different plays lined up. I'm passing the ball, you know, to my colleagues. They're passing right. it to me. We're supporting each other. You know, you have an obstacle. You just, you know form that ruck and push and and that's what's happening for me as far as like governance and administration and all of these different things that we're facilitating behind the scenes so that when we can get back on the pitch we're gonna have so much more support yeah and and that's it that will, so you know we'll go into it a little bit later but it, it's one of the things as tragic as this pandemic has been and, and i emphasize disclaim that it is no way in shape or form is this a preferred method but I feel like as a result of this pandemic, it's reset the or, or, or maybe rebooted what the, the, the mentality of rugby in totality is moving forward from it being uh, integrate into the culture of rugby versus using rugby as a prism to shine cultures through. So basically now being able to have your own investable variation of rugby, because now we learn that we not only need the connection, but the connection actually develops even further than we, we've ever imagined before. So before we get into – go continue into that, Nis, because we, we, we can go deep on this one. You know, I, always, <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about every superhero origin story. I think it's one of the most important things in, in doing it. And I, I want to know what your origin story is on this one. So, Maria, tell me. How did you get started with rugby? All right. Well, I'm with you on the orange, or, orange, not orange, origin stories. <laughs> orange um, stories, you know? <laughs> I started rugby late. So, you know, I am, my father's Welsh. So we've got rugby somewhere in my blood already. <laughs> and I didn't start until I was 18. I was in university. I lived in the gym all the time. My usual workout was find somebody who's lifting something heavy and run your mouth and then... <laughs> Hope that your body can back you up. So, <laughs> also forever the competitor. <laughs> yes, yes. So you know, and if I, it was actually Tamara Dixon who was like, "Hey, you know what? You should, you should play rugby." She identified me as a rugby player before I was even playing rugby. 
She's like, when I saw you take three of those cardio classes in a row, I was like, nah, man, she can do 80 minutes easy, right? <laughs> and, and just that intensity, she was like, yeah, I think you need to play rugby. And I said, okay, sure. She hooked me up with the city club and, and that was it, you know? Um, yeah, I became a rugby player. So I'd played tons of sports before. It's probably a shorter list, um, the mainstream sports I haven't played. I always loved sports, always involved in sports. Right. But I definitely became a rugby player. So, so within that year that I started playing rugby, every sport I played was rugby. I subbed in uh, for, for a basketball game at the university for one of my housemates. Yeah, I was fouled out very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, playing football but, with the with uh you know the office team in a park, normal rec, just no trees because it was it was just like. I don't know. All of a sudden, my body just always wanted to play rugby. Yeah. And my and, body and, would play rugby even if my brain was like, Maria, you need to chill out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that, that says so much. And I think there's something that goes along with that. Whenever it's – I was actually just talking to Theo, um, Theo Henry with Guyana. And I was like, yeah, look, you know, one thing that, that always hits is something about the contact, something about getting on the field. Once it's entered, you've, you've somehow stepped into that energy – you want to be able to impose that in whatever way, whether it's through running, whether it's through contact, but in anything that you do, it's almost like, hey, I, I'm here. Let me go. Let me move forward towards what I want to do. And and you just, it, it, I don't know. It's it's a weird, it's a For weird me, it's like meditation. I think that goes to it. it, it, it it's really, serenity. Me, yes, it is. It's so much calm. Like I am never calmer than when I am in the bottom of a rock and I'm not sure which way is up. Like, that is my peaceful place, right? So, yeah, I mean, the first team I played with, I actually, actually, my original story is cool because then there was, like, 15 years later when Tamara and I were competing against each other, Trinidad and Tobago versus Jamaica in Miami. We hadn't seen each other for ages, and I'm just like, I couldn't wait. And and the the feeling was that we really, we had to, we had to give our all, you know what I mean? Yep. Like we weren't letting each other down. It was that. But that's, yeah. that's the best kind of friendship there is the one that, especially whenever you have competition to it, you love them. You want them to do the best, but you want them to do the best behind you. And you want to be able to see who's going to end up being there. And, and there's no, there's no breaks, but there's no, it's not out of anger. It's just yeah, out of that's pure... where that rugby mentality came in right. because of all the people, she was the person I had to hit the hardest on the pitch. Right. Because that was how I showed her respect. That's how I was like, yo, you identified me as a rugby player and look how hard I can hit you now. Um, it's not. And then, of course, afterwards, yeah, we'll we'll lime later, you know, and and catch up. So that was one of the amazing aspects of this, you know, origin story. Another was when I went and played in Canada with Guardian Angels. And I'm watching this woman thinking, I'm recognizing her. Like, you know, I, I know her, like I know, know her. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to know who this person is. And she was actually one of my teammates from my first club team. And I was like, wow. here we go again. Like years and years later, and we're still connected by rugby, you know? And she was kind of like, oh, you know, oh, okay. I remember she's like, oh, sorry. I was like, sorry for what? She's like, well, I think we were kind of a, a pretty tough team. And I was like, there's some perspective. I didn't know. I thought we were wonderful. Like, I thought we were super nice. We were really awesome. Like, maybe that's when people think that I'm so, you know, they'll be like, Maria, just tone it back a little bit. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is, this is the baseline. 
You're, you're experiencing me at a level three right now. <laughs> it's like, guys, guys, I, I feel like you guys need to get up to here. Like, I don't know why you guys are like, like this is this is where we start from and then we go up. I don't, I don't yeah, get so this. That perspective has helped me. So anyone that felt that way, I realized that I was coming from a different baseline. So right. we're all good. We're good. <laughs> Yo, I love this. So, you know, kind of speaking of that, where, where was it that you started playing? Was it in Trinidad or did you play... Outside, so where 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 was it? Because I know it was late, but like, where was where were you? Where are you born? In Ontario. Okay, okay. So you're based from Canada originally. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you know it adds. To, okay. So we, we add to it. You know, I got just just Nielsen not too long ago. Another one of you, you guys that are uh, 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 just powerful, just powerful women in in rugby. But anyways, so and so coming into that arena. Even within the lateness, like what was the environment like for you? Obviously, you guys had a lot of competition. Uh, you guys were very competitive, but for when you entered into it, in comparison to what you've done with other sports, what did you feel like was the environment for when you? When I in began of, playing, when you began playing, when I began playing, I did not know what I was doing at all. Right? Um, it was high, high level of intensity. The coach would just give me a job. And I had that one job to do, and I had to do that job the best because otherwise, like, everything depended on me doing my job. But, of course, every other person on the team, they had their jobs, and I knew that they had to just – I didn't, couldn't worry about what their job was. I just had to do my job. Now, I started with a flanker. I was a jumper, Always. you know, the catcher. So, like, I really had, like, basically, they touch the ball, you put them on the ground. Like, that was – if I had to know one thing, it was that. That was and the same I remember, thing here. I remember getting blown offside all the time. I was always offside, but I didn't know what offside was. I didn't know why the whistle was being blown. I figured out that it was me, but I didn't know why. And I was like, "Why? what's happening? Like, can you explain this to me? No, you have a job to do. You do your job. So I was like, cool. Like, that's awesome. I can do that. I have a job. I'm going to do it. Total peace of mind. Like, I didn't have to worry about anything else, right? Uh, I'm not saying don't know the rules. Yes, athletes, please check your rule books. Be good athletes. Don't be a pain to the referee. We need the referees. But as far as when I came into rugby, that's kind of what it was. Every single thing that I had to do was full intensity. Um, I remember a day we had training and we had to do, I don't know, a lap of the pitch, right? Yeah. And then I guess there was some ambiguity whether it was one lap or two laps, but it ended up being two laps. But I didn't want to do two laps, so I was kind of playing off of, like, maybe it's one lap. So I was trying to get everybody to stop and get water at one lap. But everyone's like, no, we're sure it's two laps, and they're going. So now I don't want to look dumb, so I get drink some water and whatever. Right. And then I hear the coaches being like, oh, why did she stop? You know, she's never going to catch up now. I was like, never going to catch up? It's probably the fastest I ever ran in life. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And so I chased them down, I, and I made sure that I finished first. But it was that kind of accountability that I was I was wrong. You know what I mean? I was trying to be lazy, but at the end of the day, I have to prove that I can make up for that. And then since then, nope. If it's two laps, if it's five, 10 laps, I'll be the person who's out doing an extra mile before training to, you know, warm up these old bones. <laughs> hey, guys. 
I just want to take a quick moment to talk to you about the Rugby Outlet Mall. Now, I know you guys have heard me talk about this many times in the show before, typically in the intro, but I wanted to really make sure to get your focus on it because the Rugby Outlet Mall is not just the commerce hub for Gift Time Rugby, but it is an area where we want to be able to create the movement and the symbolic elements that add to the movement. The Rugby Outlet Mall is here so that we can have something that not just to have for the field, but more importantly to be able to have as a regular lifestyle. Because as you know, rugby is not just a sport. It's a whole way of life. It is a movement. And we have everything moving from cultural to your pop culture items like our Rugby Zon shirts or and sweats, uh, sweaters as well as representing for the culture as we continue to develop the HBCU Rugby Classic. And we want to continue to support these things because it only grows the sport overall. We are continually growing to be able to make sure that we are connecting with you on a personal level as well as a rugby level. And for you guys that are listening to the podcast and listening to this show, want to let you know that you are going to get 20% off all gear that is under the category of Gift Time Rugby Network and the HBCU Rugby Classic. That is basically the entire store. And all you need to use is promo code GROWRUGBY, G-R-E-A-U-X Rugby. And with that, you guys will get 20% off any clothing that is in the store as of right now. And of course, we're always building up more and more each time. But we want to make sure that you are able to symbolize your rugby faithfulness to the rest of the world and let them know that there is an opportunity to be able to develop, to grow, and to get better each and every time in this sport. So guys, I hope you guys check it out. Definitely go, and you guys can go to www.rugbyoutletmall.com. That is rugbyoutletmall.com. Guys, you're not going to want to miss one bit of this. Now, let's get back to it. Look, but you know, it, but that's that's important. One, I first and foremost, I, I, I completely relate to the flanker story. I had the same thing. Whenever I first started playing, my initial is American football, obviously, and so the idea of tackling was never lost on me, but it was, well, what do we do after? Sometimes like on the ground, I remember one play and I feel bad for the guy too. I think I ended up, we, we ended up being cool, but a guy went to ground and had the ball and put it out, but he had no protection. And I didn't know that we could just pick up the ball or just roll him out the way. I went as a football player does full force into his ribs and to push him out the way because it was Blow the person off the ball. That is all you know and to do. And my coach was like, you know, I got, I definitely got a yellow card for it. <laughs> my coach was like, hey, look, I like the energy. I like the energy. You don't have to go that hard on it, but keep doing what you're doing. Like, go after, go after the fly half. Go after, go after the ball from there. And it, it does make it a much more tunnel vision as then, as you continue to learn and build up from there. And I, I like staying at flanker as a result because I do like the freedom that goes with it. I think this just works for my personality. But even when it comes to the competitive edge, I'm, I'm very much in that same guise where it's it's not even just a competitive edge. And I think that might be sometimes a pejorative for people, but it's more of just like I don't want anybody to think that there is a can't. Like there is a choice that I'll make whether I want to or not. But mm-hmm. – if you place it in front of me and you you make it seem like it was not, I will have to prove otherwise. Yes. You know. And it's even to keep that intensity for yourself. I'm, right. I'm kind of an all or nothing sort of person. So 
I have to engage myself and I have to make the level of intensity such that I keep pushing myself. So exactly. if, I'm, if I'm doing sprints, if I'm doing a test, then yeah, I want to know what my score is and I want to know how that compares to everyone else's score. And I want to know how much better I was than last time I right. did. And then I'm going to think about what did I eat today and how am I going to make this better, you know, um, which was I wearing my fast boots. So all of those things make it, that makes it fun for me. And I know that sometimes that can be misinterpreted because there's two types of competitiveness. There's this kind yeah. of competitiveness that is necessary and so important, which is for yourself that you're competing with yourself, but also to motivate your teammates as well. Right. But then, of course, when you're competing for a team and a, uh, and a spot, then sometimes it can seem that that competition is a threat. Right. Mm. And I think it's really important for us to overcome that. Because right. I, when I think about, you know, the teammates that I measured myself against, I was a better player because I had to keep up with them. Because if I saw, you know, Kenesha Vincent lift five pounds, press five pounds more than me, then I was adding seven pounds. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, but that's the right purpose of the iron sharp, sharpening iron sure right now. But <laughs> <Right. laughs> well, no, but that's that's the purpose. It's the iron that sharpens iron, and you want to be able to keep making each other because the key and and the, it, it's very key. It's I'm not you're not it's I'm not doing it to push you back. It's I want to get ahead, and I you, low key on the inside, you want them to try and get ahead, so you have another reason to push ahead again. It just yeah. it just continues to just create a, a momentum, and that's I, I agree with you. It's where you separate the obsessive nature of wanting to demoralize versus the progressive nature of wanting to uh, uh, to, to to develop and build up the aspirational standards each time. You know, sometimes not everybody realizes that's what it is, but it's still the intent for that. But yeah, you know. I know. I guess it's something that is. I guess. From what people tell me, it's a little contrary to human nature. But for me, if I've worked as hard as I possibly can for something, yeah, I'm going to be gutted if I don't get the result. But if right. I've worked along with you and seen you work as hard as you could work, knowing how I felt and how hard I, I have to be happy for you. How could I not be happy for you? Because right. you, I know how hard you work. And exactly. I know because of how hard I worked and because of working together, that you are the better fit for the team and you're a better, you, you carry part of me on the pitch with you because we, we made that progress together by pushing each other. Exactly. So, you know, you, once you jumped onto this team, how long was it before you started doing your first national team work? Well, the interesting thing is that I heard that we didn't have enough people for the national team. So training is difficult, right? If right. you can't play games, you don't have enough people to run the drills. You don't have enough people to actually do full contact training sessions because, you know, you have to consider recovery and all of those things. Um, and I heard that they needed people. I heard that it was tough. Like if you came to train for the team, they're like, great, good. We have somebody that we can do this practice on. Mm. And I was like, well, I mean, I have a body and... <laughs> let me uh let me come add into it let's let's see yeah, if like, we can uh, i can, I can train with the national team are you kidding me yes <laughs> sign me up sign me up yep i sure break my ribs um <laughs> you know <laughs> shatter me shatter me with the national team just to train with the team True was story. just so incredible to me to think that i would have this opportunity 
you know, I didn't even think as far ahead. It kind of that same thing where I had one job. It was like, okay, yeah. well, my one goal right now is I'm going to train with the national team so that we can have a better team. They're going to have a body to practice on because I like the contact. So some people don't like it and that's fine. But, right. you know, I've gone from being, it doesn't matter to me if I'm hitting or getting hit. Like I just like that part of the game. So I'm not, I'm not a mad about it. Like, that's fine. I'm happy with that. And so of course, as I continued training, and this is where I got in where it was like, okay, these women are a lot fatter, faster than me, a lot fitter than me. How much work do I need to do to make sure that I can keep up and be good competition for them? Because right. I'm not actually contributing if, if I'm dragging my feet. Right. So I never miss training sessions. I always showed up no matter what. And yeah, then eventually I got that call up and it was just incredible. Because I had my goal was to train with the team. I'd surpassed that by being called to the national team. And then it gets back to, you know, we ended up in Miami and Tamara is there to, to play against me. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> but so so for you going between, was it, were you traveling just constantly between Trinidad and Tobago and, and Canada? Or were you living in Trinidad and Tobago at the time? Like, because there's, there's a lot that you said without saying a lot of things in between here. So there is a lot. I mean, this hour is not really a long time. Um, <laughs> so I was coming down to Trinidad about twice a year. Okay. Was that just because of family and friends or connected yeah. to? Yeah. yeah. I was coming in and staying with family and I would just tag along with my cousin Vaughn. He was training with Yui and I would go to Yui training. My nice. mom would, you know, think, oh, training. I remember one time she's on the phone to my aunt, you know, saying, no, oh, I don't think Maria should go to rugby training. No, she doesn't want me to get hurt. And I'm, of course, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. We got to get out of the driveway before I get stopped because I'm going to rugby training. Uh, the experience with Yui just was so amazing because, of course, I was playing at that time as a men's team. So I'm playing and training with them. I need to get permission to play any games. But that camaraderie was there, you know? And Nicola I told beyond me beyond safe on the pitch because of that camaraderie. Yo, no, I love that. No, Nicola was telling me she was like one of the big aspects that come with uh, the Trinidad women's rugby team is that you embrace new players. There is there because there's it, it's play for passion. You want to be able to make sure that the love is truly there. And it sounds like that was one of the biggest welcoming factors for you. Huge. Absolutely huge. And just in everything in my life, when I actually made the move and I, came to live here permanently, they were a huge support to me and mm -hmm. continue to be. So that's something that, yeah, when you say origin story, like every single thing, these connections that I've made in rugby that I never planned a grander future about it, but it's those same people that have been consistent. I moved a lot, like our family, we moved quite often. So as far as knowing people for a long time, that was, that's a novelty. As right. far as going through certain things that you experience just because, you know, you're growing up, that's what happens in life with the same people. I would experience things with different people all the time because I was always in a different location, right? Mm. But then rugby, first as a sport, was something that was consistent for me. And now I'm looking and I'm like, these are all my same rugby buddies. Like, we're just this family that's been growing <laughs> up together. And, you know, someone went off to school here and someone got a job over there and this one has a family and all these things that happen, but we're still this family in rugby. Facts. No, and I, I that that one I think is one of the biggest 
key components when it comes to understanding what the real factors of what the rugby culture is. You know, for me, it's it's the same. Like, I, I always say, it, and this is why I always talk about the, the time, like I said at the beginning, like what's happened over the last half decade, especially within rugby, I, you don't, I, I, I moved around a lot when I was younger too, but we had lengthy stays, maybe four to five years per stay, give or take. So it's enough to establish, but not enough to, be like, okay, this is just a home. It's like, no, I I don't know what it feels like to 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 move into different schools with people. Like to put it like that. Like, so you you but you get to understand a certain dynamic. So whenever you come into the rugby world and then you start to see the interconnection, it's it's the weirdest small big world that you you get to be a part of. And even now, over the course of the decade, the seven, eight years I've been doing media, and then the decade and a half, the decade and a half, decade to, I guess now 11 years, 12 years now that I've been doing rugby in and of itself, um, you don't realize the interconnections until it, you interact with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then once you're just like, oh my God, yo, I didn't even realize that we had to, even that's you, with, that's, that's what? you, okay. And it's it's wild because, you know, it's something that you usually only get whenever you're in small towns or you are in very niche industries that happen to be within the same town. Take a Hollywood or something like that. That's very much centralized within a specific location. And then you can have shots out there, but centralized. But rugby doesn't have a centralized location. It is happens to just be. You might get that one regional aspect or is that one game that connects you to everybody else that goes from there. And then you don't realize how much that actually impacts what you do later on. The, the people that I know now were people that set up six years ago and it was just like, oh, we, we're cool. It's just now it happens to be we can be useful outside of just friendship for to each other. But it yeah. stay based in that foundation of rugby and friendship. So for you... As going into this, when you move to Trinidad permanently, all right, because that's a big move. I know obviously you've moved around, but that's still a big move. Was the move a rugby move, a cultural move, a family move, a necessity move? Because what what was the, the motivating factor for you to want to establish? So I was asked this question the other day and I wasn't ready for it, but <laughs> you're gonna get the same answer because you know I'm kind of I'm kind of an open book like that. <laughs> Hey, I love it. I'm going to try and get a different twist, but I love it because the competition in me says, oh, you got the same answer? Oh, we're going to get a different answer now. Oh, don't worry. We have way more time for this one. Um, <laughs> so, you know, my, my home was very multinational, not only mm -hmm. because I have, you know, a Welsh parent, a Trinidadian parent, but also, you know, we had adopted family within Canada uh, while some of our family was abroad. So, uh, you know, France, Italy, um, it was a lot of multinational influences um, where we grew up, uh, even First Nations. So I always had a lot of different cultures. We spent a significant time across in Wales. Um, at the time, I thought it was significant. I've spent longer periods other places now, so it wasn't really, you know. It was, it was key significant. It, it was, was growth yes. significant. <laughs> You know, and I felt like, well, I want to also have this experience from Trinidad and Tobago as well. You know, and I was coming down regularly. And of course, the comment is that, you know, I'm a tourist. And I didn't like being called a tourist. I didn't like being told that I don't know what it's like to live in Trinidad and Tobago. Like, that's not a part of my heritage if I 
just come and visit and have a fun every time. couple times a year yeah. <laughs> also i am trying to live the hashtag tourist life everywhere all the time because i should have a fun time in the grocery store you know like this this should be awesome all of these experiences they can be fun um and so yeah i wanted to come down i want to spend time in trinidad and tobago i wanted to have that legitimate experience i wanted mm. to feel that i'd had that legitimate experience and it wasn't planned to be a permanent move it was planned you know come see how things go right. come back up and make a decision and right. then so many things just kept happening to to keep me here and to just really exciting opportunities and yes so i've been here for 10 years now and well the past year i was living in russia so <laughs> oh wow okay all right well Wait, we got questions. Uh, there's, there's more questions over here. I know, and we're already halfway through. You're going to run out of time. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> we're, no. we're still touching on, like, all the background information. I know, right? Look, this is, this, I love it. I, see, this, oh my goodness. All right. You know what? This, this was meant to be in too many ways, mainly because of the fact, the mere fact that you know that you got to come back for a second one, I'm, I'm already... <laughs> I'm already, I'm already happy about it because I was gonna say it, but uh, thank you, thank you. For it. There, there we have it. <laughs> I feel good. All right, we can touch it, but yeah. So, but, but coming into Trinidad, so it was, it was like, oh, it became a calling without realizing it became a calling, essentially. Yeah, because I really wanted to be in touch with my heritage and all the things that went into me being the person that I am, the experiences that I had growing up. Like I said, we always, my parents were very conscious of making sure that we had different cultural aspects from our heritage and from the heritage of people around us. And it was something that I, I wanted to experience. I thought it really important. I thought about doing maybe an exchange with school, had one set up, didn't end up um, doing that. But clearly it was meant to be. Right, because so. you got more from it, from not doing it. I have a feeling like it's one of those things where if you had done it, it would have been good, but you might have felt limited because you would have been stuck within the structure versus doing it by your own standard. And now you have the freedom to develop the branches that come from it. Yeah, so it's definitely been immensely positive. It's something that as a person for my personal development, I was like, okay, you have to you have to stick to things. You know, so coming from that moving around, I'm used to starting over and let's observe <laughs> who do we have to be to be here? Uh, what's going on over here how do we try to fit in and let me tell you i used to try very very hard and i'm sure if i watched a film of myself now it would be hilarious and a little bit painful um <laughs> because i never wanted anyone to know that i was from anywhere else like i wanted to just i am trinidadian yes. this is where i stand yes. like i want to shout out my auntie winnie she passed this year but she was always Sorry like you. yes you know maria's trini to the bone and she supported me being here all the time when people didn't understand, when people were like, why, you know, people are moving away. Why are you staying there? And she just supported me in every single thing that I did in being here. So shout out to her. No, um, She lived to be 102 years old. Yo, let's go. I know, right? So I, I have to be happy for her that she got to go out the way she wanted to, like in her own house and all of those sorts of things. And I, I don't get to be as upset about it as I as I am, but no, you know? that's that's celebratory. <laughs> like it's it's the passing, the, the the separation is always hard, but that's celebratory. She, like you said, she got to live like they, there's literally she a block, like a box. Trust me. <laughs> no, no, that's awesome. That's I awesome. That is a true blessing. Really well, that I could go and she would just look at me, and I would know exactly what she was thinking. 
and it would be some like hilarious thing. Um, no, I just, I had such a good relationship with her and her supporting me through everything was just so important. Hey everybody, this is just the break transiting out a personal little video diary to all you people out there where I am going to document me riding most of the way between Singapore and Tokyo for the 2019 Rugby World Cup. It's number one is because um, it's part of my business, I do Rugby Lovers Guide to Asia. Number two is I want to bring a lot of exposure to the, to the rugby clubs and the rugby NGOs and charities. Also on a personal level, I just want to break uh, the funk I've kind of felt I've been into for the last 10 years. So for the next 12 months, I poured myself into the Singapore to Tokyo campaign, but it still wasn't enough. I needed help, and it came from Louisiana. We in Singapore, baby! Gift from Gift Time Rugby USA is an extroverted tour de force. Say hi to my people out there. Which makes up for my, um, social shortcomings. This place is unbelievable. It's not just it's like What's he supposed to do? Morons, a bunch of morons. Guys, picture with me. Picture. Australian. G'day mate. Can you use my phone? But what unites us is a hunger for adventure. After KL, Kuala Lumpur. Baby. Our love of Asian rugby culture. One, two, three, second. Yeah. Yeah. Rugby is, is starting to develop here in Cambodia for women as well. Valkyries, the mighty, mighty Valkyries. The mighty and allows us to overcome incredible, incredible obstacles. It's just got so thick. It's just so thick here now, it's pouring down rain again. But coming to this Thai-Cambodia border has renewed all the aggression. So the whole thing's gone buggered. I got hit. What? I got Thailanded by a motorbike. I can just feel that knee, that ankle just going in all the wrong directions under the weight of my body. But that doesn't compare to the pain of, of failure. I'm dying. Oh, I'm dying. And that's what I've been worried about this whole time. We're out here, we're running out of energy, we're running out of money, and we're feeling isolated. And yet at that critical moment, friends, family, sometimes complete strangers, come on board. Before you know it, we're back in the game. Tokyo, here we come. Making a comeback. Four weeks, 2,300 miles. Five countries! After all the trials and tribulations, this ride had become deeply personal. All that mattered now was getting to that Rugby World Cup game in Tokyo. Yeah, buddy. All right. Be easy. Go check out redearthfilms.vhx.tv to get your copy of Singapore to Tokyo any way you can. That's redearthfilms.vhx.tv. Oh man, I love that. I love that so much. So I, I, I want to make the assumption you're very close to your family ultimately, correct? Man, that's that perfect. 
And, you know, I, it, it, I ask that because the dynamic that you have, the energy that you have, and, and the ability to go after usually only comes, in my experiences, whenever you have a family that is close. They might not always agree with everything that you do, but they always seem to support and hold up that you are making the decision and they trust that you know the decision that you are doing. When it comes to things like leadership and stuff like that, do you feel that you have been able to maybe, and this is going to sound weird, but been able to make enough mistakes to know that you are capable of making the right decisions because you've had a supporting system? Or is it something that you feel you've been developing incrementally with a purpose? Or like, how have you felt your leadership style and and perspective has come together? I think it's evolved very organically. I have absolutely made lots of mistakes. Sorry to the people I owe apologies to. I feel, look, you can't be a risk taker and not be like, this is, this is why I ask. Risk takers have to make mistakes to also understand why they know what they do. Yeah, one of the things that's so incredible about this position that I have now and even just in general, my journey in rugby is that I've been able to take it very personally in mm. a good way. So because I didn't have a plan, um, make your plans, people. It's a good thing to do. do your vision board. <laughs> I love the disclaimer, but I didn't have a plan. <laughs> right? um, but that isn't, that isn't what I did. I just yeah. wanted to play rugby. Every single thing that I did was because I wanted to play rugby. Right? I went yeah. to training because I wanted to play rugby. I found a women's team because I wanted to play rugby. I went and trained with a national team because I wanted to play rugby. I volunteered my time to become secretary of the union because I wanted to play rugby. Like I wanted to facilitate the things that I thought I could help with, right? Um, and so everything has come out of that. And then what's interesting is that, you know, it's an elected position and I am eternally grateful for the rugby community because not only have they shaped me and impacted my life in so many ways, they've also made a decision that they're gonna give me the chance to, to lead, especially right now, and they know me. Right. <laughs> Like they know me from rugby and it's so cool because you think about like, how do I get to be myself and how do I be this role where people are going to look to me as an example? And it is definitely something that I think about often because I, I want to make sure that I'm always a good role model. Um, you know, that's where the disclaimer is. Yes. Plan ahead. It's really good. Just because I didn't do it. Don't say Maria didn't plan and it worked out, but it's why you know it. person that doesn't plan. Just do things. Just take opportunities because you're going to achieve goals that you didn't even make for yourself. I love that. And you're going to find people who can support you. Um, Katie Sadlier is an excellent example. One of the things I love about her is she is achieving so much and she is so human. She's so natural. She's just a person that she's a person person. You know, I love yeah. talking to her. I can reach out to her when I'm stressed out about something and I don't know what to do. And she just makes me feel really good about being myself, about where I'm coming from and about the experience that I'm having. And it's so validating. And I find that in the rugby community a lot, we have that where we're like, yeah, no, it's okay to be you. You can be yourself. How can I help you? How can I support you um, in being yourself? And that for me is hugely important. Yeah, no, I, I feel like that... One, I mean, yeah, I, I can't agree 
any more so and what you said about Katie and the conversation that I had with her and again I the interview but it, it was it was a surprising just how transparent and just how freeing it, she is and, and open and I think it makes sense whenever it's like oh I get how she got I mean even how she got to where she was makes complete sense based off of that um and then as, as far as the connection to rugby like you know it, it is interesting that that is one of the aspects of the culture that I feel always kind of gets actually under underpressed like it's talked about but it's I don't feel like it gets promoted heavy enough the ability to be free and I think that goes back to what I said like this post pandemic I feel like it increased that um focus even more hey the best way to be able to be whether best on the field or best representation is to be able to show who you are at your truest self. And here's an arena where you can be transparent with at minimum, the least amount of judgment that you should be taken at, at most the known at none, you know, but you know, we, we have that little gap, but you know, but you, you want that, that little amount of judgment that allows you to be open and you get to be free with other people that get to be free. And yeah. it's it's a psychological element that I've want I keep and I hate comparing sports sometimes, but it's something that I don't always we I don't always see in other sports. There's camaraderie in teammates, there's camaraderie in 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 um in industry, but it's not necessarily freedom of self outside of the the box niche of either your team itself or the people that you know within that that arena. And I think rugby has a tendency, might be one of the reasons why it always has felt different, that you do have a freedom, even in the structure that can come out. Yeah, and I find the sport itself is just set up perfectly for every metaphor possible. Mm -hmm. You know, you think, okay, like even think about catching up, think about a lineup. Like, okay, what if I, what if I just grab you and throw you in the air? You can catch the ball. I can't right. jump that high, but I can lift you up and then you can catch it. It's working together. You know, what if I just bind onto you and, and push and drive, right? We're going to be stronger. And it's not about who's in front. It's about achieving the goal and knowing that we do that working together. And so all of my experience is I've had that provided, not just on the pitch, but I've had that provided in my life. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I really want to focus on is, Every opportunity that's come to me, I want that to be open. You know, I mean, people ask me for things sometimes, and I'm like, but I think that why why are you asking me? You know? Um, but it's because they've heard my name. Right. And I think, okay, then how do I get other people's names heard? How do right. I get other people seen who are doing a lot of great work as well? And how do they access this same network and experience rugby in the way that I love to experience rugby? No, and that's and again, that's that goes again. It's it's the platforming. Uh, again, I love that analogy. Being able to set up the line out and throw it up, but that it's true. And I think that's one thing that's been really interesting here is you have all these stories of people, and even for me, it, it comes. And I, I think, and I'm by no means, by no means, do I consider myself to be a well-known person. But I know at least I've posted enough on Facebook where people actually have to recognize it because I force it into their faces. But it, it creates the ask of, yo, if people, if you can help people and you know that you can create the connection that I think sometimes can be taken for granted because sometimes you're just like, oh, the connection was way easier than I thought. But not everybody 
realizes it, mm-hmm. how do I make sure that we can keep progressing it? And, and it impacts not just at a rugby level, but it does impact at a cultural level, at a generational level. And mm-hmm. it's weird being able to see it happen even in real time. I think it's still so very surreal to me in that aspect because this still feels very small, but small as a matter of perspective, right? All right. It's kind of like goes back to having that job and that job that you are supposed to do, right? Yeah. Not because you have to, but because you're good at it and you're, and you're meant for contributing in this way. And it's really about c- connecting those dots and making sure that everyone has the opportunity to shine in that in the way that they're going to shine. Right. So they're going to be happy doing what they're doing. They're going to be excited doing what they're doing and they're going to be able to make a contribution. You know, so I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to sort of extend opportunities to other people right now. Um I'm so excited. I didn't know I could be this excited about administration and governance and and stuff. We've had such an amazing response from the community, people volunteering for committees, like the groundwork that we're setting right now. Like, <laughs> I didn't know I could be this excited about it. I really, really am. When we get these emails and people are saying, you know, I'm interested in volunteering for this. Like, it's amazing because it's a team sport. I come from a team sport. By no means is, is this the Maria show. You know what I mean? I cannot do this by myself. Right. right? And so with the executive committee, um, even with the secretariat, with the clubs, again, having experienced rugby in Trinidad and Tobago and played here and being committed to staying here, um, it means that I get to work with people in a new way. And especially right now, because we can't play rugby, I really want people to have the same feeling that I do. How wow. I feel excited, how I feel hopeful. Uh, seeing athletes that are training and working really hard and knowing how hard I am training and working right now. I'm like, they have to be rewarded. Like there has to be infrastructure. There has to be a safe return to play. There has to be steps that they can take to stay involved and to have the reward for not only maintaining their fitness, but even increasing it in some capacities. People have gone and they've done studies. They've worked on certain projects. They have this expertise that they're just like ready to share. Let's make sure that they have the opportunities to do that. People who have made proposals in the past and sometimes things don't get acted on, right? And that's one of the areas where, okay, yeah, sometimes it's a mistake because maybe we didn't look at something in the way that we should have. But to say, yeah, keep keep on going, keep on driving, keep on doing because I'm really looking to make sure that we can give everybody the platform that they need for what they want to do. And if that means facilitating training, if it means hooking up networks, all of those things are going to make rugby in Trinidad and Tobago so much stronger. And for me, I'm just continuing what I've been shown. So was that, was that part of that? Uh, I mean, clearly that was a, mo- a motivation, but for you, was that the initial motivant motiv- motivator for you to start making your campaign for presidency? I, the initial motivator is I was asked. Oh, okay. Julie, okay. Did not even realize it was just that. So, okay. So even for that, because I know that you'd been playing with them, obviously, for a while. I, I Looking at the Nicolette, whenever I was doing Nicolette's uh, uh, profile video, I remember just a video with you guys and going against uh, Chile. No, uh, in uh, Panama City, in Panama or something like that. Peru. That was it. In Peru. Exactly. And, you know, you guys just working, but it, you know, it clearly, you know, 
being one of the, the 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 veterans in the game and being a leader in that one for you even asked the initial motivation because being asked doesn't mean anything but to it's what it you're just, well i guess let me restate that <laughs> being a, being asked is not the clear motivator the motivator has to be a decision that's inside yourself so that's okay. why i'm saying what was the motive because asking you could have asked and been like no but it's like, what is it that was in you that said, you know what, this is something maybe I need to go ahead and move forward with? I think that I was able to experience so many things, especially through the executive leadership scholarship from World Rugby. And I wasn't seeing everyone else having the same opportunity. So the same way that I was driven by just wanting to play rugby, you know, maybe that is the core of it is wanting to play rugby, but it expanded to wanting other people to be able to play rugby yeah. and also wanting other people to experience rugby, not as the sport that we play to go and achieve different competitions, but as that community as a whole. Right. And so when I was asked to do this, it was also like rugby. It was like the community is now my coach who's saying, this is what I this is what I'd like you to do. This is what I think you can do. You know, sometimes your coach tells you, "Hey, you need to do this." And you're like, "No, coach, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that." Right. And your coach is like, "Yes, you can." In volleyball, I got switched from power to middle. This is in high school, right? And I was upset because power is a way cooler name than middle. <laughs> I don't want to be middle, right? We we reached late, we were rushing, it was a mess. The coach is like, "Maria, you're in the middle." I was not happy about it. You know, within two plays of the game, the ball came over I spiked it straight down. We had a whole thing that we do when it spikes and hits. We're like, one, two, three, eighth, and hit the ground. It was amazing. It was a great <laughs> moment. And then I realized why he put me in middle, because I could play my left and my right hands equally. Nice. So he nice. put me in a position where he knew that I was going to be successful, even though I didn't know. And I was only focusing on having a cool name like Power. He <laughs> <laughs> was right. I was wrong. And... It's that kind of thing where it was like, okay, if you're asking me to do this, and if you believe in me to do this, then yes, I'm going to do anything I can to serve this community. I have had so many amazing experiences in this community that anything I'm asked for, I am absolutely going to try and provide that. Right. And throughout the campaign, there was so much support that gave me that confidence. It wasn't like, you know, Maria, maybe you should do this, or we'd like you to do this. It was conversations about how are we going to do this together? Right? How are we going to get the rugby that we want to play? How are we going to stay connected while we're, I mean, we're in a state of emergency right now. We have a curfew. Um, I don't remember when the last time I left my house was. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, the struggle is real. The struggle is so real. It's really being a team effort. I yeah. refer to the executive committee as the executive team. Um, oh, and there's the new launch for World Rugby Women in Rugby, which is yeah. team-powered. Which was amazing. Uh, we all watched that video, and it's like we are all in that video. Yo, like, I yes, love it. Signed off, approved. Yeah. No, look, again, when it comes to what has happened over the course of the last, I want to say particularly since 2017, especially in women's rugby, it has been impressive. But even more particularly over the last two years, uh, it has been a uniquely interesting experience to be able to see the actual focus because for me, I think it really stood out the most 
was I went to, I was in Asia. We, a friend of mine, we did a bike ride from Singapore to Tokyo for the Rugby World Cup. Super dope. I would recommend it. Well, I wouldn't actually recommend it. Biking is hard. But do the trip. It was legit. And one place particularly was in Cambodia. We went to, uh, we visited um, uh, an organization called Kapachia Balak. And their focus had been primarily on girls' rugby. And so you see these girls, 10, 5, small girls who are Cambodian playing rugby. And at first glance, you think, oh, okay, they're just going to get run over, but they try. They brought the girls in from Singapore. They came to come visit as a game. When I tell you these Cambodian girls completely ran over these, I mean, the tackling was amazing. It was wild. But what was most important was learning that the confidence that they got from being able to play this game completely changed culture. It wasn't just a factor of, hey, they got better and, you know, they got the tackle. That was cool. But now you saw a complete adjustment from saying, well, my future is going to be housewife or uh, cleaning lady or, you know, whatever. It's something that was in the traditional aspect of the job. Now it moved to, I want to go overseas. I want to be a chef. I want to own my business. I want to do that. And that was just because of the dynamic change in mentality of literally tackling people, mm-hmm. of, of literally tackling people with this ball. And so whenever you see this same aspect go across an international element, I, and I look at it even from a women's standpoint, um, from an identity standpoint, and, and one that particularly stands for me from a racial standpoint, um, you know, with especially here in the States and overseas, when we see more and more black people being able to travel and get out of your own zone, and then you start to see that cultural widening you get to see what actually happened and you see real development because now it becomes that platform. We get to see people become those leaders that they always had the potential, but never had either the opportunity or the vision to be able to, to attempt it. And we know perception is reality. If you can change that perception a little bit, I mean, it, it moves mountains to say the least. Yeah. Seeing the ripple effect has a huge impact. You know, when I look at, even if you just take the executive scholarships as an example, right? And you take that someone said, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's try and invest in creating people who have competencies so they can move into these leadership positions, right? Now, oh, I'm going to get the numbers wrong. I think it's 49 people in 41 countries, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you look at the work that everyone is doing, like it's exponential. Like this is affecting people who have never applied for a scholarship, who are like, it's affecting everyone and people in the community. And not only in the fact that there are more opportunities, but like you say, it's changing the perception. It's people seeing the representation and knowing that they have these opportunities. It's also people who have had the goals, knowing that they're going to have the support and they're going to be able to do it. That was a huge thing for me, um, accepting to run and it was one one aspect was I will try to serve in any way that's possible and if you're asking me to provide a choice and to be one of those choices then who am I to say no I may or I may not be successful but that's not up to me we are governed by our management committee that's who makes the decisions. so each of the clubs everyone has a say in it it's not it's not up to me I don't speak for make decisions for everyone. We make those decisions collectively. We have a democratic process, 
right? So for me to deny any part of that democratic process, I mean, that wasn't something I could do. If, I, if I'm not successful, then all right. So but I still it. tried. I still did what I could do. Right. And then seeing how people were stepping up and wanting to be a part of the change, it just inspired me completely. Uh, gave me a lot of confidence to be able to do this work. And thus far, actually, today's, today's a one-month anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, I was in, you know, some meetings. We had our executive meeting. We had a meeting with Rand, dealing with safeguarding and some training in regards to that. Doing this interview now. So, every day is, is full. Like, I'm so glad that I put aside full time to be doing this because it's totally required. It's totally necessary. I do put in full time hours, but I'm really excited about it because all of the response is really positive. Um, I actually, I need more time. There's more things that I want to be able to do. But one of the great things, of course, is having a team. So yeah. everyone on the executive, everyone has additional projects that they're working on, additional things that they're spearheading, things that they're working on. And of course, coming from the community, all these volunteers with amazing expertise who are stepping up to drive our committee. So we are, we are headed for a good thing, good place. Yo, I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, Maria, you know, as we're wrapping up and, you know, I, I the the energy, look, I said it at the beginning and I'm going to repeat it again. The energy that you have is by far just spectacular. It's amazing. And I, I love because regardless of whatever happens, whatever happens on the way, you're already changing the path because it's something that was always needed one way or another, in, in, especially in this community. Um, and so to be able to know that there is not just the accountability to self to be able to make sure you do the best job you do, but the excitement that it didn't, it's not a burden to you. This is, this is literally like the feather on top of the icing on top of the cake that you could have. That is this rugby journey that you get to be on add so much more. And I, I think even what you do with Trinidad is going to be impactful for the country itself, not just the community, but the country. But I think, again, it's a like we said, it's a ripple effect that occurs everywhere. It's a representation that now occurs. There is another young girl. There's a y another uh, uh, young generation. There's another even shoot. Even there's another older person, you know, who is like, you know what? I didn't know. Maybe if I was I could do it. But, you know, I got the same excitement. Maybe we can do this too. Let me let me go ask and let me go find out because it's not all the same journey. Um, kind of, I want to ask this question before I kind of let it all go. For you now, now that you're in this position, and yeah. it's something that always occurs, I think, from being a spectator to now being an administrator. As a spectator, administrators uh, a lot of times can seem very daunting or very disconnected from everything. Um, but a lot of people I've, I've learned mm, the full story isn't always known. Now that you're stepping into this administrative role and add that with the executive scholarship that you've had, do you see a difference in the perspective or in, in the perceived perspective of what it takes to actually make rugby move uh, versus what you would have as just a player or yeah. as just a fan? I think also I, I am usually asked, how do I balance being a player and an administrator? And is there a conflict in the roles? I would, I'm not saying there hasn't been conflict, 
the conflict has been about people's perception that there should be conflict. Um, but for me, hugely beneficial. The fact that I was doing both at the same time, I had the opportunity to be, to be in a meeting in the morning and then understand the impact of that meeting in training in the evening. Nice. So I think that players should have the opportunity to play and focus on what it is they need to do. Coaches should be able to coach and focus on that. Referees, every person should have the ability to focus their energies on what it is that they need to do and what they want to do. The only way that works is if each of those areas is functioning. And there needs to be someone, and I think, especially when it comes to the executive, right? It's the role of the executive to understand the needs of all of these people and make sure that they're being met. And you cannot understand if you don't do it, right? If you don't know the rules of the game and you don't know why the referee's blowing you, you're going to be annoyed about it. The referee, you can't even play without the referee. So you need to understand where that person is coming from. Right. The amount of work. I mean, go on World Rugby Passport and do the laws. See how long it takes you to do that. Because it took me some time. Right. You know, these people put in a lot of hours, a lot of training, a lot of work. And you're not even nice to them. Come on. Right. (laughs) Your coach, your coach has a life to live and he's coming to try to make you run around the thing while you're trying not to run. Come on. Like, try to be a good athlete, man. Don't don't make it hard for him. Don't make it hard for the coach. You know, just listen, just do just do the thing. Try to understand that if he says your butt is in the air, it is. You are not as low as you think you are. Get someone to take a picture of you, because believe me, it does not look the same way as it feels. <laughs> so Speak those facts! Things, Speak those facts! <laughs> trust me, I'd be like, I am as low as I can go. And I'm like, oh, no, I wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just having that understanding and that respect that you can develop when you know how much work each person puts into what they do, right? And that's right. all the way through administration, the amount of email communication that we have coming through the secretariat right now, I'm just like, <laughs> it's a lot. And if they're, if they're not doing that, if we didn't have a secretariat, that would put so much extra pressure that we couldn't apply to setting up these committees, to setting up different programs, to getting different training in place. So we all have to be able to do our jobs to work together. And the more we can take a little time to understand what someone else does, the the better we can work together. No, I love that. I love that. And that's a lot of realness there. And that it's one aspect that I, I think is needs to be emphasized is understand the jobs that go across. Doesn't take one away from criticism. And I think that always lets us make sure that's the accountability. We listen, but we filter. But we still know a hey, understand what 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 everything takes so I, i'm really happy to to hear that maria i want to thank you so much yo i want to thank you so this is so good and uh yeah we're, we're, we're gonna come back for the second part because this this russia story thing this this russia thing we kind of blew over it a little bit but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you have a moment to let it seep and and, and get the story even tighter <laughs> oh um you know is there, where's the best place that people can find out more information, maybe not, or, or even find out more about you, talk to you, or find out more about Trinidad Rugby? Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago Rugby, Rugby. You can follow us on Facebook, TTRFU, Trinidad and Tobago Rugby Football Union. We are on Instagram at TTRFU underscore 868. We are also, actually, we're revitalizing our website which is trfu.com 
So check that out in the, the coming week. It's going to have more information. We've already started putting some in, uh, but some good things there so that people can actually go and find out a lot more information about rugby and Trinidad and Tobago. We're really working on being more accessible. We're also putting, well, we're going to have our own virtual platform where we're going to have a lot of webinars, different interactive activities going on. Those will be advertised, I guess advertised is the word I need there, on the social media platform. So you can follow us there and check out what's going on because we really want to be open and inclusive to everyone that wants to join in. Yo, cheers to that. Yo, let's get it going. I can't wait to see Trinidad Tobago at the next repechage, repechage, whatever it's called. The (laughs) Olympic Sevens or World Rugby, any one of those. I want you guys in there. All right. Thank you. You in Jamaica. All right. Or yeah, we keep going on from that one. I'm I'm, I'm a fan of all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, awesome. Maria, thank you so much. I appreciated it. I loved it. Um, Yo, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Yo, please check out some of our other podcasts. We've got amazing, amazing guests that have come through onto the podcast. Last week, we had uh, a throwback with Phaedra Knight. Uh, obviously, world rugby, a world rugby Hall of Famer, USA Rugby Hall of Famer, entrepreneur, philanthropist, activist, everything. Uh, we had Robbie Owens of Squidge Rugby. Uh, prior to that, Karima Prince, uh, one of the founders and uh, former captain for Prairie View A&M Women. Uh, we had Akinola Raymond of, um, of, of Rugby United New York and uh, TikTok star. Uh, we've had Krill Guthrie of the James G. Robertson and Pat Sullivan Foundation. We've had Robert Perry, head coach for Curacao Rugby. Erica Mori, former Italian rugby uh, player. Katie Sadlier. If you guys saw the, the commercial um, uh, for women's rugby, she's the general manager of women's rugby for world rugby. Uh, Adam Milby, president of the Philippines Rugby Union. Uh, James Brunson uh, of uh, North Philly Nomads, Rashad Lipford of North Carolina A&T Rugby, Farrah Douglas, uh, head coach for St. Saint, uh, uh, Saint, uh, Mary's, but now the U-20 USA. Like so many people, check it out, take a listen. But most importantly, I hope that you guys are happy. I hope that you guys are healthy. And I hope that you know that you were highly favored. Till next time, cheers. <laughs>